This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to a special episode 100 of the Cabal cast. Thanks to everyone for sticking with us through 100 episodes. Yeah. We're still trucking along, doing our best. As always, we appreciate you, the listener. If you have any feedback, we care about that more than likes, follows, tweets, patrons, whatever. Although those are all nice. Today's episode is something we did last year around this time. Well, it was a little bit earlier because Watsi hadn't shit the bed on production. But we have the product release slate for next year. So the two of us are going to be going back and forth with the sets we are excited for. Now, going into this... We each said we were going to pick three sets, but we don't know what sets the other person picked. Correct. And the rules are sets that we are ex- we think will have a financial impact, uh, and for good, bad, better, worse, whatever, mm-hmm. and what our thoughts are on those sets. Yes, so sir. I will get it started off with one that I can't wait to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Dungeons & Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Why did they think this was a good idea? I, none of the D&D, Ravnica, whatever crossovers have sold well. The miniatures don't sell well. The rule set books don't sell well. There's just not enough crossover between D&D players and Magic players. Are there Magic players who play D&D? Yes, absolutely. Are there D&D players who play Magic? Yes, absolutely. But one of them requires social skills, and it's not Magic. Sorry, listeners. They, if you play magic we're all there yeah some of us are just lacking that's just how it is you can play a game of magic without speaking a word the game is intuitive enough um yeah the dnd pick is interesting because i didn't think about it that way i first thought of the fact that like oh people picked up the ravnica guild kits and they were cute chintzy ways to get in some one-offs which are great ways to get people into the game or have like long gaming sessions in a singular day where you don't have to play a tabletop game like a war game to get that kind of thing and yeah um but the tagline for this is so incredibly stupid referencing both peanut butter and jelly and that this will be one of the most exciting combinations since now this is no beetles and sliced bread but i this feels so forced I don't think it's going to be good. Yeah, the original ideas are clearly dead. Also, I love Forgotten Realms. I grew up playing Icewind Dale, Baldur's Gate, all those incredible games that were all based in the realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, for better or worse, uh, Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons has largely benefited from abandoning Forgotten Realms. Okay. You know, that that generation has largely moved on and they've gotten into this wide generic fantasy setting where they're letting dungeon masters build their own worlds and that's been really good for the health of dungeons and dragons and i don't necessarily think going back to forgotten realms is going to be you know something that's going to attract people to the game do i think they're going to shoehorn in drizzit and some gwen cards absolutely 100 percent and someone's going to buy those singles. someone's going to buy packs trying to get drizzed and whoever else Mm -hmm. and that's sure great the EDH crowd will love this. They're not going to buy packs, though, because that's not what they do. And I just... It it seems like the kind of thing that they would release if they wanted to get back to a portal-type system. Here's your introduction to the game. This is to attract new players. 
It's something, it's a property that you recognize from somewhere else that makes it an easy crossover, similar to the Walking Dead secret lair, which is an atrocious idea, and that's the end of that discussion because I will start ranting and I will have a heart attack. You make a silver border, there's not a problem. uh, So I I think it's it's something that we'll see. I just don't foresee it being very good because I think from a design perspective, you almost have to design it as an Amonkhet block where it's deliberately low powered or it's just bad or you could do it a different way and you can go original rise of the eldrazi style and you just play battle cruiser magic so the draft format is absolutely rancid solo yeah but you have these just big over-the-top things that you can't really cast in that standard environment so you let the casuals clamor all over it yeah uh I don't know. This is a set that seems the most forced, and in the year of the uh, bought IPs, this is the most obvious, despite the fact that they own the IP, and just seems like a way to kind of make the party mechanic relevant and possibly evergreen something like that. That's where I I think, if you're going to squeeze blood from this stone, aside from, like, big battle cruiser creatures or spells it's going to be something is either terribly broken with the the party mechanic for edh or it's going to be um like personas like you mentioned earlier that are going to be the financial vehicles for this set and and don't get me wrong you know if they make an artemis and trary or an elminster i'll buy one i'm that idiot i will openly admit it that's me I'm going to buy them because I love those characters. I'm not going to buy packs to find them, though. And I think that's where a little bit of the discrepancy is. Because I don't necessarily think that this is going to be something that's going to be a pack sell driver. Mm -hmm. But we'll see how the design goes. Maybe if an interesting draft format. Who knows? I just not terribly excited for it financially. I think you're going to hit that Q3 lull. Mm -hmm. Once we hit the reserve list, boom, again next year. Mm -hmm. And that's my expectation for the set yep, uh, i'm excited for it because it's gonna be a time where i can move into other stuff and not care yeah you can just pick up the singles you need or you want um i'm yeah. going from my, the first set that i'm looking at i'm going a quarter earlier i'm looking at strixhaven as possibly being uh, one of the, the more driven vehicles and uh, the reason i'm i say this is because us dungeons and dragons is the most obvious ip here it's named after the thing strixhaven is possibly the most sought after ip and the most enjoyed ip and the fact that it's essentially just going to be hogwarts and uh the harry potter universe and the, the reason i mention hogwarts is because the the tagline for strixhaven is the most elite university in the multiverse and that should be the Telarian academy i believe i believe but it's obviously gone, yeah exactly it's gone we're not Thanks, Baron. And this is just going to be your school for wizards and owls. And this is going to be... I think it's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to go way past where you need to be, and you're going to get some broken stuff. You're not going to see, like, uh, anything that we've seen recently, but you're going to see some just huge EDH drivers, especially with names, references back to Urza, and all this other kind of callback stuff. Or you just kind of let it fall flat and it just becomes a sought-after IP and so the sealed becomes the, the relevant piece of it. 
And I yeah. think that's kind of a, a TBD, but I think the driver is there just based on the IP they're choosing to kind of uh, go after. This is finally the set where it, you are literally able to play the wizard that you're meant to be embodying as the player. Um, and I do think they, they will find a way to sneak in a lot of themed cards into this. Yeah. You don't just have to pull from Harry Potter. There's a lot of stuff you can pull from. It's just the most popular IP. I mean, they can go yeah. back and look into the works of Shakespeare to pull some yeah. uh, some wizardry out of that. For sure. You know, they, and and I, they have I, in the past. Yeah. I, I miss when they did that regularly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think it's an interesting one, too, especially as you touched on the sealed product, because I think this is the kind of product that, based on the information we have, and this is why we do this, because we have very little information, so we're going to shot in the dark here, and then we'll look at it and see, you know, how it shakes out. But uh, I think sealed product-wise, this is probably going to be one of the better sets that isn't, you know, a master set or something. Yep. Um, you know, because I, I just think thematically it's the type of thing that resonates with people. And if we get masterpieces back still, who knows at this point yeah. if we'll still have them for the second time. But I, I think that that's something, too, if you can get these cool alternate full arts of people that are, you know, a pseudo homage to your favorite characters from the universe, then, of course, you know, yes. that's going to carry some collectible value. Exactly. They, they have the ability to put in somebody else's IP like they're doing with The Walking Dead like they did. I, Hasbro owns Transformers, but they could have they still have the ability to kind of shove that in somewhere, you know? Yeah. So that's my first. Uh, my second is modern horizons 2 okay we're getting reprints of the fetches yep obviously in the rare slot that's great um modern's probably gonna be dead by then so it's not gonna have very many implications on modern but it may have a lot of eternal bombs uh, as we saw with Modern Horizons 2, half of the rares and mythics, it seemed like, got banned within the first six months, yep. when really the only thing that needed to get banned was Ho Hogak okay. and Urza. Yeah. But, uh, you know, instead we got Opal and everything else that paid they banned for around since. Them, yeah. For yeah. Um, and I, I think that sets like this, where you have something designed for an Eternal format, they clearly miss the mark on. And I think instead of, you know, getting a couple of 8s and 9s, we're going to end up with a bunch of 12s and 13s again on the 10 power level scale. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it creates such a volatile time financially, and those are fascinating to me to watch. To see Hogak be the absolute deck to beat yep. at the weekend of Vegas, but vendors aren't even paying a quarter for them because they fully expected to get banned on that Monday, mm -hmm. but they're selling them for $20. Because people need them that weekend. And Global it economy. This, it's great. Yeah. And I, I think, too, having the fetch reprints in there to give it some sort of, like, financial stability yep. is something that will help the sealed product hold incredible value, especially if they hold to their word and they stay in the rare slot. That's going to be huge. Yes. So that that's what I'm interested in seeing out of that set. Okay. Uh, in addition to hopefully finally getting something like pernicious deed reprinted into modern, mm -hmm. please, because my foils aren't worth enough yet. Gate. Yeah. I was thinking gaze of granite is good, but not good enough. Um, I'll move up my three pick to my two pick modern horizons too. So you got me on the fetches, but I think they're going to add prismatic Vista as well. I think oh, that's yeah. going to come in as the sixth because there's no reason why it couldn't just be a perennial in this. And yeah. it's got like a 20-some dollar price tag, 22 25 right now. And that's 
fine but undeserved for that card. Yeah. The the thing that I like about this set, and you touched on it a little bit, is that uh, you know you're expecting twelves and thirteens. To me, even if they fuck up the card choices overall, you're still going to see a price increase on a lot of them because it'll yeah. based on the scarcity of what happens. Uh, you know, Karn Lib was not great in Modern Masters too, alongside the Fetchlands, but so they kind of there was a ramp strategy to be had in, in draft, and I actually looked into it, and it was awesome to play. But overall, Karn Lib was not necessary in that set. It was not a finance driver for that uh, for Modern Masters too. Like Fetches work for three. So they kind of fucked up on that one, but he came back gangbusters in price afterwards. Fetchlands did as well. Chalice of the Void has as well. Aether Vial has as well. Opal as well. Ravager did. Um, that one's a little more unique because it only goes in one deck, unlike Vial, which goes in multiple. Yeah. But uh, the first Ravager reprint, it eventually came back because Ravager found more homes over time. Yeah. So even if Thankfully. they, even if they just fuck up the card choices and we get a high a lot of high love high level of reprints in these sets i expect them to recover over time the other thing is we're going to see as much print for this as we did for the original modern horizons maybe a little bit more which means it'll be around and then gone and then but go up the everything will go up the entire time you'll have a short window to buy in like you did with three because of the fetches and then after yeah. that Everything will just kind of uh, kind of rebound uh, properly. I don't expect a, a lot more to be reprinted than previously. So we're looking at most likely a uh, a standard amount of product. Yeah. They're not gonna you know print print to demand sure, but it won't be infinite like they keep saying or people keep assuming. And I I think that's gonna be interesting too because you know we saw with Modern Horizons three typically you have a two to three month window. Mm -hmm. till prices reach their low right yep and then modern three it was like a month and then it skyrocketed back up yes. so i'm wondering how that's going to shape this window because i'm curious now that we know how quickly that stuff recovers mm -hmm. if we're going to see the window shorten even more or if it's going to lengthen or stay the same so yeah. that's definitely something that i'm curious about as well uh, it's is how that window looks yeah and it's slated for a, a q a late q3 q4 release like it it's being it's straddling the line so this would effectively yeah. be the end of summer gp so if they wanted to make another big deal out of it you do another vegas etc etc the last yeah. point i want to make is uh, like you mentioned, if we're looking at showcases again, and this is a set that might have showcases, we don't know. Time Spiral, Time Spiral Remastered might set the precedent here. If there are showcases, immediately for me, the finance drivers are going to be non-showcase versions of the Fetchlands because they will be cheaper and easier to buy into. So all those commander players that are looking to buy Fetchlands ASAP, all those modern players yep. that just want them to replace that's where it's going to be short-term, long-term, absolutely showcase. But this is a point in time where you need to understand your strategy and you need to understand what's going to go on, and there will be a demand for both the entire time, but it's going to be easier to churn those special, those non-showcase special lands faster, and you'll be able to buy in lower than the showcase versions. Yeah. So, all right. What do you got for three? Uh, so my third one mm -hmm. is Time Spiral Remastered. Okay little bit of nostalgia playing in here i love that standard also chalice of the void and old border end of discussion uh you know the old border that marrow said a few years ago they'd lost the ability to print they could never print foils like that ever again because they just couldn't do it yeah 
anyways, uh, anytime we get a set like Time Spiral where you have this alternate subset and it expands the card pool, I am always incredibly hopeful that if those things are standard legal, which they're probably not going to be based on the cards we know that are there, mm -hmm. Chalice and Path would not a healthy standard make because it's non-interactive gameplay, blah, 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 blah. It hoses acro, blah, 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 whatever. I think it's great to have that expanded card pool. I think it's great to naturally inflate a set size rather than artificially like they did when they added Mythic Rarity. Yep. Uh, and I think that it's going to be great to see some of those perennial $5, you know, infinite reprints like Path to Exile see a spike. Because all of a sudden, this is actually a unique printing of Path to Exile. This is actually a unique printing of Chalice of the Void. This is the first time Relentless Rats has ever had an old border. Yep. And I mm -hmm. think that depending how those are seated in the packs and how the foils are seated, that's going to be fascinating to see. And I think that's going to be a huge financial contributor to that set specifically. And I think that that's, you know something that's really interesting to see because it it adds to the high-end market kind of because your people that like to foil out decks suddenly have more choices more choices is always better but also kind of worse for vendors because you got to keep track of more prices All the whatever selling better blah, 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 blah. Yeah. but i i think that that is just really good for you know magic in general to have things like that, to have these homages to past cards that are not standard legal, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's fine. Um, I, I just think that's really, really good, especially, you know, knowing we're getting some, you know, fan favorites from the set, whatever, and then you get the new prints as well. I just think that's something that in the 25 years of Magic, anytime they've done that, the set's done really well. Mm -hmm. The singles have performed really well. And generally, events have been doing really well at that time. Granted, you know, Time Spiral Lorwyn Standard was actually healthy compared to what we've had for the last... However when was Khan's released? No, whenever that was. No, who knows? Five years ago, four years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember those times. Yeah, right. But anyways, that's, that's why I'm excited for Time Spiral Revisited. I just think it's a good opportunity for some eyes to get on cards that weren't necessarily widely seen before yeah. which as we've especially been touching on recently is something that like is very good for price drivers mm -hmm. um and just getting some more supply out there on cards because i guess 25 dollars is too much for tarmogoyf so let's get it to 10 uh i know that was future site just a point no i, I understand i i like the the idea of time spiraled remastered being a non-standard set because it means they get to be a little more goofy with it than they did the first time you know nobody needed mystic yeah. enforcer a second time or whatever the black guild mage was from mirage they put in the set right barack who gives a shit man like but you you start with chalice of the void path to exile relentless rats and you you hit all your markets right there with those three cards um i totally forgot about the old border yeah. thing and it made me look at the plane symbol on path to exile yeah and there's, like, this is a complete tangent. There's a cardboard crack cartoon about the shift in border where one character's like, I'm really mad about the shift in borders. And the other one's like, I've been mad since Ice Age when they changed the plane symbol. Yep. Same. And I'm upset they didn't put it back. But <laughs> I, I like the set, and as I mentioned previously, in regards to Mo uh, Modern Horizons, this this sets the table for whether or not we're, go we're going to see showcases in these kinds of sets. Yeah. 
so the the finance driver for this is a little interesting the idea of time spiral of uh, time shift what are what are these called i think they're time shifted again okay yeah there's no it doesn't say yeah there's no official parlance for them the these shifted cards in foil if they come that way because they don't think they've said that either would be the driver if there are not showcases so right now we're kind of waiting to see what goes on if there are showcases then you've got to look at that as your as driver if not then it's going to be you know these in foil especially any ones that come out of yeah. the gate extremely low uh, but have a very high play percentage in rec or you know, in formats like modern etc so uh, for instance like helix pinnacle coming out of the mystery boosters only comes in foil it's a cheaper it was a cheaper foil it might still be than it's set counterpart in non-foil weird and that's something I, you want to keep an eye out for as well here there are cards that might sneak in as too cheap for foil yep sure is and so there's there's a lot that can happen here in regards to finance drivers and what we're going to look at but there's also a lot of information we need surrounding this set and to foiling yeah. foil rates uh, showcase cards, etc. And then we'll be able to kind of figure out a path from there. Just all things to be thinking about. Um, my third, I was actually going to do Time Spiral, but I didn't want to do both Master sets. I didn't I didn't feel it was a cop-out, but I think this set's a little more interesting. Um, I'm going with Q4 Twilight. And that, yeah. Uh, so Innistrad Werewolves, Innistrad Vampires. And I don't know how this set's going to be split. I just... I know it's another pseudo IP. You know, called shot on that one. And so help me if there's not a reference to Team Edward and Team Jacob, I am firebombing Watsy HQ. You can tell them I'm coming for that's you. That's the look. Unless they're gonna true blood it up, what other series are you going <laughs> to live off of for your IP? Yeah. I ha my I have more expectations about what I want to see from the set than really what my finance drivers are going to be. Because if this works the way I think it is, it's what I've been saying Watsy should have been doing since original Innistrad in regards to individual card types and splitting the product and put all the at like the overcosted bullshit in EDH product and keep your actual standard playables to the standard packs kind of how they separated out with Zendikar draft packs versus uh, set. Yeah. If they do split this into werewolves, vampires, and there's a little bit of overlap, then my expectation for a finance driver, and I'll go back and talk about uh, singles themselves and what my expectation there would be uh, sealed. If they truly split this into two different sets, unless it's in one box and 18 packs are vampires and 18 packs are werewolves, that's a little less unique of a situation than being able to buy a werewolf box and a vampire box. If that's the case, then I think the driver is absolutely sealed, no questions. Even if you there are, even if there is a CE box, if it's combined but the set product is separate, I would move on the set product itself. Okay, this is the third time we're going to be on Innistrad. Maybe we'll get some playable vampires and werewolves. That's my expectation for singles. And until we know how we're going to get sealed, that's where I would actually expect the finance driver to be. Some kind of playable on either end. Because right now you have Arlen Cord and Huntmaster of the Fell up at the top tier for werewolves. Neither, neither of which can be 
uh, a general for EDH, so you gotta go something weird and goofy. And on the vampire side, we have a, a lot of good Sarkin stuff, a lot of good individual vampires, but, like, the tribe as a whole is represented by a very narrow amount of vampires, and there's not a lot of width to great vampires that kind of live in, like, the Sengir theme. Yeah. There's a lot of vampires that do a lot of interesting things. Uh, don't get me wrong there. I do understand that. We've picked some of them over time. But if you want to live that vampire theme, you want to kind of embrace that, you can't quite get your 99 to function that way. And I'm hoping we get a little more of that. You know, um, not Bloodkeeper of Malakir, uh, the flip vampire from original Innistrad. Um, Bloodline Keeper. Bloodline Keeper, yeah, Batman. Yep. Yeah, it makes Batman, Batman. right? Yeah. Yep. Like, that That is a great thematic card for a vampire deck that just yep. wants to live that, like, Nosferatu style theme. Um, and that's my expectation. So, this is, you know, aptly the last set we're going to get in the year. And I think we're, we're going to be able to shovel some stuff out of this. I think it's really good because it's. Of all of the sets, of all six that we have, this is the one that most embodies the driving forces behind the financial market. Casual, tribal, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Players that love tribal magic. They're more casual. They're not necessarily spiky because it hasn't been since OG Zendikar that we had a tier one vampires deck. But man, that deck was great. Yep, Curving out into Nighthawk and Nocturnus. Oof. Anyways, I digress. Uh, I, I think this is, like you said, a really good financial driver as well. And I think that we'll see, you know, Q3, Q4 with us hitting presumably a low point in D&D &D and then hitting, you know, gas with Modern Horizons 2, mm -hmm. gas with RTRTI. Um, I, I think it's really good. I, I did want to touch on, I did reread the announcement for Horizons 2. The Fetchlands are rares and draft boosters doesn't say anything about non-draft boosters okay and it is a print print to demand product interestingly enough we'll see how that works because so's jumpstart and who knows? we are yeah yeah uh, uh, but modern horizons was printed demand i thought and its lifespan seemed a little shorter than everybody wanted to believe because it sat around yeah uh demand was not really high at first yeah. and but yeah i, I think rtrti is going to be a really strong way for them to finish off the year because this is the type of stuff that sells yeah you know it everyone has their vampire werewolf cleric whatever, whatever tribal deck and this kind of fits that edh mold and it also god willing will bring hunt master of the fells to pioneer that format's basically dead anyways though so who cares yeah. uh and I, I think like you said it's a, it's a really good design space for them to expand on vampires because vampires are more tall in playables, less wide. Mm -hmm. And for them to make werewolves more tall, less wide. Yes. Because there are a lot of good werewolves. They're just not, you know, high. High ceilings. On, yeah, on yeah. yeah. They so. need they need a lot of help. They need a yeah. lot of help. Um, no, it's, it's, we like, it, it's nice and it's interesting that we basically spread across everything that wasn't Kaldheim. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you, you missed the Viking boat, like, five years ago. I was trying to think earlier. I don't know if you're basically going to be listening to, like, the Immigrant song as you draft this set, or, like, <laughs> if it's supposed to be something that close to, like, Chandelar or where, wherever um, yeah. the souls were from, like, the red one. Like, 
they're kind of unclear with that vision because we're supposed to go to that plane as well and that plane i thought was supposed to be pseudo viking and i just really don't know what's going there's too many questions around the set and i swear if it's like as guardian themed i think it's just going to be a flop yeah i think it's just going to miss if, if it's based solely around asgard and nothing else that one just seemed a little too up in the air exactly um all right you ready for picks yes all right i'll, I'll go first this week because i think you went first last week yeah i did all right cool so uh my pick for this week is dragon brood mother but out of the mystery boosters let me bring this up real quick Boop. because it has been super flat as of late but uh over the last couple of weeks the market's actually started to climb on this thing and it's recovering dragon brood mother itself at at uh, its root was always a really expensive dragon for what it did. Um, buried in the text on this card is the fact that every token it creates on every upkeep has devour too. So whenever you sack another creature to it, uh, you put uh, two plus one plus one counters onto it. Yeah. You put plus one twice that many plus one plus one counters onto it. Uh, and this goes in everything. And I, I've talked about a number of cards that do that and I'm kind of falling into this niche and I really don't mind it because I think it's appropriate when we're looking for for what to to spec on yeah so dragon brood mother basically goes in anything that is base red green and you can see that when looking at the top commanders on wreck if you want to play control you throw it in one of the jun commander lists if you want to play combo you throw it in uh kresh or karthus or prosh uh, if you just want to play big dumb dragons, well, guess what? You're already in red and green. There you go. It's a big dumb dragon. Basically, it plays across everything we expect, and the fact this card does nothing but heavy punch is kind of the attractive part of it to me. You slam Broodmother and the game's not over, but if you don't deal with it within like a cycle, the game will be over. This card does yeah. not know light or medium punch. It is heavy punch only, and as i mentioned it before with some of my other specs demands that kind of respect the price on the mystery booster version is a third of that of the alara reborn and again about a third of the walmart promo that's the other reason i like the mystery booster one uh, versus the others and it has been climbing on uh ck biolist for a bit now it's hovering around two dollars which is kind of a, a crappy delta but that's because everybody's been shifting into uh buying zendikar stuff it's not unique yeah. to dragon brood mother uh, all my specs for the last couple of weeks have basically stopped after continued growth and you can track that back to movement to into zendikar so my expectation for this to continue climbing at a little more of a steady pace than it has been recently is going to be in like mid 20 well, it's going to start climbing back when you can get out of buy a list at four or five six dollars it'll probably be mid 2021 because the population that mystery boosters brought to this card is not great enough to demand a third of the cost of the set version people are going to eventually yeah. buy into this when eyes shift over to this and they have time to look back at what they're playing what they're missing or what they see played in videos over time because people like um Game Nights, Spike Feeders, the Star City Crew, etc., have more at their disposal when it comes to deck building than a lot of casuals do. So it's just that those eyes, and this card's gone. Yeah. I expect mid 2021 because that's when we'll finally be past Zendikar. 
I don't think Uru, uh, the ban on Uru is really going to deter people from buying Zendikar because Omnath is still playable without Uru. So there's still huge demand for that set, and there's still a ton of cards in that set that are worthwhile. Once we come out of this lull, that's when we'll see this go up, and that's when we'll see everything else kind of tick up as well. So in the time being, this is what I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for these cards that know nothing more than, he than Heavy Punch, these cards that end the game that are either stagnant or uh, low price in comparison to what they should be. And you know, this is where I'm going to drive for the next couple of months. I think that's smart. Um, you know, especially based on what we've seen over the last couple months. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's heavy punches the driving force. You're not, you know, any EDH is good. And as you said, this kind of runs the gamut of, you know, everything short of CEDH is a deck this can go in. Yeah. Uh, just because it does everything players want to do at all of those levels. It punches, it combos, it mid-ranges, it does it all. Yep, it's a control uh, besides finisher. ramp and yep. draw you cards. But yeah, and it's a control finisher. So it's it's just good. Um kind of satisfies, you know, that the spider the from commander when they cast a spell get a spider as as a oh, control finisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's something that just helps win games by just sitting there and not attacking. Yep. So uh yeah, I, I think that's really good. Very very smart. Mine uh alternatively is something that is based on recent results in a format that Watsi has basically abandoned, but some stores and areas are still keeping going, and that would be modern. I picked Phyrexian Unlife. So not that anybody was watching, but the Moto Modern Champs happened on the 20th, so almost a week ago. Uh, and the deck lists were published earlier this week, and Adnos took up two spots. So the modern meta as it stands, is Mill, Jund, Red Deck, and... Adnos. Adnos. Yep. And Adnos has a good matchup there, and Phyrexian Unlife of all of the cards in Adnos, obviously Spoils is one we've touched on before, seems the one that long-term is at the lowest reprint risk, because one, it's tied to Phyrexia. Two, it deals with Infect, with which somehow Wizards finally realized is a dumb mechanic. It mm -hmm. just took them years longer than it should have uh and it's it's not something that i see them going back to and it's a white enchantment that goes great in combo engines mm -hmm. and at currently sitting at about four dollars low on stocks has been fairly stagnant and until recently hasn't been posting results so now you actually have a time where these results are being posted but there's no eyes on the format because of COVID because we don't have events mm -hmm. because there's nothing big to draw eyes to it. So it's a really unique opportunity where this information is there, but there's not people necessarily capitalizing on it. Uh, so this weekend or this past week, Star City sold out or Star City, sorry, Card Kingdom sold out completely at $6 each and they bumped their buy list to $3. They now have eight copies in stock for less than TCG. When Card Kingdom is selling for less than TCG, I think it's a good thing uh, because it means that they, one, don't have a whole lot of stock, mm -hmm. and two, they're trying to shift away from it. Now, why is that good? Because Card Kingdom runs on the same model as a miniature market, as Star City, as Channel Fireball. EDH. Constructed as whatever. EDH. 
And this is something that doesn't have a lot of EDH viability, which kind of goes against some of the tenets we've been espousing as far as like financial viability. But I think that modern is one of those formats that similar to legacy is so driven by the community that is so passionate about it that once we get paper events, this is an exploitable opportunity. Yes. Because you can get in on this now. And then if, you know, six months, whatever, Watsy says, all right, great. We're bringing GPs back. Let's go. Here's some modern events, whatever. All of a sudden, you have an event. Oh, man, I need to scramble for decks. Let's see what's been going on. Oh, for the last six months, this has been the meta, and everyone is scrambling to get these cards all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And once those eyes go back, that's when things are really going to take off. And I think that you're seeing that and you know, reflected in buy lists and retail prices, everything, that right now people are shifting away from that stuff. And I think, you know, for me, when other people are scared, that's when I admittedly get a little greedy. You know, yeah. that, that's when I move in. Nope. Because like you're it. letting it go for what, for what I perceive as below eventual market value. So I think this is a time to just exploit that and move in on those. No, I, I like the idea. Adnos is one of those decks that has stalwarts, and the people that just live and die by this deck are are not apt to change unless the format is completely hostile to it. And right now, the format is not. So nope. you're going to see a lot of the stalwarts come back and play this, and when it starts doing well and other people start moving in, that's a lot of times when stuff like this just starts to go up as people clamor for these pieces. And when the deck falls out, it falls out hard, so it's difficult to get rid of them. So the the demand for both of these is uh, a very narrow window overall, and when you can operate in that window, you're going to do well. And I think now is is the perfect time to get in on Unlife. The other thing that's unique about Unlife, and I thought you were going to make this point three as you were talking about it, is because Phyrexian Unlife works on combat, combat damage dealt. It works very interestingly with first strike. So if your opponent's going to swing at you for 12 damage total, but two of that is first strike, and it's going to uh, it's going to separate out, and that will uh, I believe that will kill you. The yeah. way that in, in this example, if they swung all 12, then it would just be absorbed. First Strike yep. Damage allows people to kind of work around this card, and it makes it very difficult to play in Standard because there's a lot of rules minutia that goes along with it, and it's not too tough for Standard, but it creates a lot of corner cases that Watsi seems to want to step back from. I believe my example yep. is incorrect, but it still works that way. You can still First Strike Damage somebody out of the game from, yep. let's say, 4. If you have a 2-2 two -two and a 2-2, two -two, one First Strike, one, one that doesn't. That will end the game at 0 and be dead. Um, the the other point I want to make about this deck in the format right now is you mentioned the winner was uh, a red deck. And of note, that's not Burn. This is the no. um, the Prowess deck. Yeah, It does not have the same clock as Burn. It's maybe a, a half a turn or a turn slower overall than Burn, which means that Adnaz can get underneath it a lot better than Burn. This deck yep. relies a lot more on creatures, so when Adnaz sides in Ethereal Haze out of the sideboard, which is just a white fog, yeah, it buys them more time than against Burn, which goes to the face. The other thing that this deck does not like is pressure combined with a ton of... Uh, uh, what's the right word here? Uh, disruption from hand removal. 
or like uh, yeah when so when shadow and jund are the format and they're packing four thoughtsies and three iok main uh and lily veil that is a terrible time for this deck it does not top deck well like tron does and so you'll see yeah. it fade away so we're at a time right now an optimal time for this deck to thrive and if you're able to buy in early before this card spikes higher you're going to be able to make your dividends before it dies off again when the format shifts if it ever does yeah and and that's the thing is modern has been so fast for so long now that it somewhat disincentivizes running you know the mid-range game even like jund cut Bloodbraid completely mm-hmm. it's on loris two bob and goif as like its threats because you need to get in there on two and three yep. you you can't rely on it so as long as that's the metagame shadow's barely going to be played and jund is a much faster deck adnos is just faster mm-hmm. and that meta has existed for a while in modern right now yeah where those fast decks prey and that's when adnos does well yep uh and there's they've also upped the count of pack negations to the full four between the 75 because force of negation is a very real card uh, yeah of note i think adnos's goldfish is turn three Lotus, land, land, Pentad Prism, untap, land, 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 uh, Pentad Prism is five, Lotus is eight. That's the kill right there with yeah. um, Adnos in, or, if you, or spoils into whatever. Yeah, I, I think turn three is, is the fastest this goes. So you're looking at, like, peak efficiency in terms of combo decks right here. You don't get Pretty faster. Good. Yeah. So no. as somebody who puts the deck together and pulls it apart, fairly frequently i think it's finally all at least in perfect fits i just have to put it in in actual sleeves it's somewhere behind me in one of the pink deck boxes (laughs) way back there uh split up in a in between two with amulet um i uh, picking cards from this at the right time is like picking cards for dredge a plus maneuver and keep your eye on stuff like this because this is a this is a an arrow in your quiver when it comes to MTG finance and understanding how things like this work and how su- how timing and cycles work. Yeah. So, I like. It. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Not not probably as reliable as yours, but you know, no risk it, no biscuit. In the words of Bruce Arians. It's true, but all the other mean, meaningful pieces have increased in price, including spoils of the vault. So it's yeah. not like you're picking something out of, out of left field. I mean. Hell, even Lightning Storm is almost a dollar again. Why not? Right. But I believe that will be it for us this week, guys. We, we will be back next week for episode 101, where we might actually wax poetic about the Walking Dead thing for the entire time and uh, what it actually means. But in the meantime, if you want to talk to us about that or anything else, you can find me on Twitter at Halt I Am Reptar. They can find you. At Thirsty Sizzler. You can find us at MTG Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.